0: Uh, God, man chooses; God allows. This is part three, and we're picking it up in Luke chapter fifteen, verse eleven. All right. So, this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus now, in the in the while he's speaking to the people, he's given parables, and with the parables, there are lessons to learn. Now, if you have a, the ear to hear, a spiritual ear to hear, you will understand what he's saying. And the lessons he's, he's, uh, he's sharing. But it's revealed by the Spirit. And my prayer today is that as I go through this, the Holy Spirit will reveal, will reveal to you the Father's heart towards us and how we are to live. Okay? Alright, so verse 11 in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read 11 through 16 or maybe 17, but 11 through 16. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the youngest of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, he gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living or riotous living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods. That the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. I'm going to stop there. So in this parable. As you read the parable. And I'm just going to. um, Not so much define anything. But point out a few things. The father in this parable. Represents God. And his two sons. Which are his children. And what you will see. As we go through this. This, this, this uh, parable, this story, which we'll continue next week. <clears throat> You'll see two, t- two different types of children. Attitude, demeanor, um, thoughts. There are just two different aspects to them. And there are lessons to be learned. I'm going to focus today on the, on the youngest son, because that's the scripture reading here refers to the youngest son and the interaction with the father. <clears throat> so the younger son... Demanded his inheritance. And that's a bold request. A bold request and out of the norm. Because normally. Inheritance is imparted to children. On the death of the parent. Or if the parent retires. And divided up, divides up his inheritance. So that his sons or whoever is left. Can manage his estate. But this son. None of those um, conditions came about. He One day, decided, hey, I want my inheritance. So he went to his father and demanded his inheritance. Give me what's mine. As I said, that's bold. Out of the norm. The father gave him what he asked for. And not longer after the son, he left home and he went far away. The younger son, as we can read from here, it says here that he asked the father for give me my the portion of my goods that falls to me, give me what 's mine." <clears throat> so the father gave him what, what give, gave him what was his. He took it and he left and it says he went to a far country, so he got as far away from his father, from his brother, from everything. He got as far away as he could, okay. Wherever he went, you couldn't, he didn't, couldn't just get back there in a day. He went as far away as he can go. So the youngest son made up his mind. Whatever reason, it doesn't give the reason, but we can kind of, um, the whole point of this is, is to look at the attitude of the son, the father's response, and certain things that have to come out from this, from this uh, parable for, uh, for our learning. But what we have to pay attention to is the attitude of the son and the attitude of the father. So from what we can deduce here, the son wanted to live life on his own terms. He was tired of living on the authority, under the authority of his father because he couldn't wait. He wanted his money now. He wanted his, his inheritance now. He got it and he left. Now as we think about it, as we read this, this is nothing new. I'm sure that some of us can relate. We might have known children or grandchildren or the children of somebody's neighbor or someone we might have known who have just picked up and, picked up and left for whatever reason. Living in a secure home, didn't, but they didn't like the rules of the house. They wanted freedom. They wanted liberty. So they say, hey, I'm out of here. I want to live my life. I want to live my life. Remember, this son wasn't kicked out. He left on his own accord. He wants to live his life. He's tired of doing what people want. I want to be free of responsibility. I, want to, I just want to be free. So he took what's, what was due him by inheritance. The father gave it to him and he left. So I'm sure the father tried to reason with him as any loving father would. Because the thing of, of, of a parent, we always want to lead our children in the, right, in the right way. Because we know the hard lessons of life. We know the consequences of bad choices. So we try to impart whatever wisdom we have from our lives to our children. So obviously, it, it's not said here, but a loving parent will want to try and encourage their children to make the right choice. But the son made up his mind. The father gave him what he asked for. He didn't deny him any of his inheritance. So, you know, I pose a question. When I was reading this, I say, what did the father know? The father knew something. And I'm not going to address it in this message, I'll, I'll address it in the next message. What did the father know? Because the father had the authority to withhold. The son's inheritance. Because the conditions under which the son supposed to get that inheritance, none of the conditions were met. But there's something the father knew. That's why he gave, him the, gave the son what he asked for. As I said, the, the son made a choice. And the father is allowing it. Why? Because he's given the son the means to do what the son wants to do. And that's the same way with God and us. We make choices. God allows it. Sometimes God will try to interrupt or prevent certain things that we want to do. Which he knows is not going to be for our benefit. But you know how we can be. And it's not just me. How we can be hard-headed. We can be stubborn. We want our way. We want to do what we want. And you hear what I'm saying here? What we? What I? Stubborn. It's always about self. But eventually God lets you do what you want to do. You make the choice and he allows it. Because what does God know? God knows something that we don't know. So the youngest son did not appreciate what he had. And I could see through reading this and meditating on it, I could, and the consequences of the choice of this son, I can see something about his character already that I, I realized. And it's not uncommon because we see it in a lot of, I can't just say young people. Because it's not a matter of the age so much, it's a matter of the mentality. So the youngest son didn't appreciate what he had. He lived a comfortable life. Come on, his father has a He has servants. If you keep reading, it talks about servants. He has servants. He has, he has livestock. So he this son didn't come from a poor house. He came from a he came from a a rich family. So what about what's in his life that's going to cause him to give it up and want to go his own way? I guess we'll find out. What the son didn't know, he didn't know some of the tough life lessons, but he will find out. He left home to be free of the father's authority or from whatever spurred him to want to leave the security of his father's house he wanted to give it up he wanted to leave because he thought he knew better does that resonate with any of us when we were young all right we thought we knew more than our parents we thought we knew everything and i'm sure i'm not the only one who had that episode i had that time in my life when i i thought my parents didn't know anything and as I got old I realized how silly I was, how foolish I was. And I'm sure we all can we all can identify with that. So he left home. He had money, he had possessions, but he lacked wisdom. He was naive, irresponsible, inexperienced, and he was rebellious. That resonates with me. Because when I had those episodes, I was I lacked wisdom. I was very naive, irresponsible, inexperienced, and rebellious. I know I'm not alone. But in verse 13, the latter part, and verse 14a, we see here where he wasted his possessions. He said, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. When he had spent all, it means everything he had of any value was gone. He blew it. He blew everything. He had a party. He had a good time. He wasted his possessions on riotous living. He partied. He spent his money recklessly to facilitate his wild and uncontrolled behavior. Because that's what it was. He was wild. What did it say? He was wilding out. He was wild. He was wild. He wasted it all. He was living for the moment. But eventually the party had to end and it did. What he needed to fuel his behavior was exhausted. So when you read this, that he wasted it all, he spent it all, you can tell he's naive, inexperienced and irresponsible. And he doesn't, he lack wisdom. That tells you right there. It tells you right there. Based on that, and in the latter part of verse 14, as it says here, a famine arose in the land, and he began to be in want. Unfortunately for him, as his money ran out, a famine came. That's a double whammy for him. So he was broke. He couldn't pay his rent. Wherever he was staying, he couldn't afford to stay there anymore. He was definitely out on the streets. And he couldn't feed himself. So what did he do? He looked for a job. And he was very fortunate to find a job. Because in a time of famine, guess what? That's a time of lack. He was very fortunate he could find a job. And what was the job? Feeding pigs. While he was home, I'm sure he wasn't feeding the pigs. If they had pigs. But the servants were doing the menial work that he now subjected to himself to have to do to survive. He got this job, feeding pigs. He couldn't, he, could, he didn't eat the pig food because it said here in verse 16, he would gladly have filled his stomach. That's how desperate he was. He was considering watching the pigs eat. In a time of famine. He's watching the pigs gorging on, on food. And he was, he was contemplating eating that food. He was, that's how hungry and desperate he was. And it said here. In, in, the, in the end of verse 16. No one gave him anything. So where were all the people that he was partying with. Hanging out with. All the people and things he spent his money on. Where were they? He was the life of the party. Where was where were the people who he was having a good time? Where were they in his time of need? Well, obviously, in a time of famine, everybody's trying to take care of their own. He's got to take care of himself. He's on his own. He's alone. He's he's hungry. And he's feeding pigs. I think he was at just about his lowest. And how do I know? Just by what things he was saying afterwards. So he got this job feeding pigs. Desperate. Hungry. Considered eating the pig's food. With no one to help him. So as I said here. The youngest son he was at his lowest. Because you see something now. Starting to happen. I won't spend too much time on that today. I'll, I'll pick that up next time. But this. Time when he was at his lowest. As it said here. In verse 17, but when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and to eat? And I perish with hunger. So he had an epiphany. This is usually the time when you are at your lowest. Now, the lowest varies with people. What's the lowest point for me may not be the lowest point for somebody else. But for him, the lowest point is the time where he had an epiphany. He was without a place to live. He was feeding pigs. And he was severely in hunger. He said, and he said here. How many, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough? And to spare. So what's interesting about that, at your lowest point, this is usually a time of reflection. A reflection of your own life. Where you are in life, whatever you're going through, it's a time of reflection. How did I get to this place? From abundance to lack. You look at the chronological steps of what you have done to bring yourself to this point. And you start to remember what you had. What can I do to change my circumstances? These are the type of thoughts you would have or people would have when you're at your lowest point. What can I do to change where I am? I don't like where I am. This needs to change. What can I do to change it? And as I said, this is an important place. Because now it's a shift that's getting ready to take place in his life. But remember, there was another shift that took place in his life before. That shift took place when he made the decision to leave his father's house. And I talk, when I talk about a shift, a shift is when you make a choice to do something. The shift is not a thought. The shift is when you execute on what you're thinking about doing. That's when a shift takes place. Now that shift can take you, will take you in a trajectory. The question is, is it to a, a place of blessing or an area of cursing? So, so far the first shift took him to this place of lack. He went from abundance to lack. Nowadays he's getting ready now to make a second shift. We all go through these times in our lives. Where we come to a place in our life. When we get sick and tired of how we are living and what's happening in our lives. And when you really get sick and tired of it. When you get to your lowest point. Get ready because a shift is going to take place. A shift is going to take place. And how did, we get to the, how did this young man get to this point? Because of his choice. Because of choices he made. The father never stopped him. The father had the power to stop, but he didn't. And the question about this shift is, what will that shift be? What decision will be made to change the trajectory of his life? What decision we need to make to change the trajectory of our lives? If we are at our lowest point, if we are at a place in our lives, we are not happy, we are not being fulfilled. What needs to change in our lives? And number two, do we have the courage now to do what it takes to take us where we need to be? These are important questions. The shift is an internal dialogue which we must recognize, take hold of and weigh the consequences. If we choose to act on that dialogue, we'll determine the direction or the trajectory for our, the next steps in our life. Everything starts with a choice. The thoughts come. We analyze. We research. We get feedback. We do everything we need to do. At least anyone with wisdom will do that. Before you make a choice on what you're going to do. This young man didn't have all the information he needed. He didn't have the wisdom. He was naive. And the first choice he made was a wrong one. And now he's suffering the consequences of it. But you would see, as time goes, you would see now, some of the things he was lacking when he left the house. When he returned, he came back filled. He didn't come back the same person, in other words. And I'll talk more about that next time. So the question is here. As I said, the shift is an internal dialogue we Must recognize. Everything starts with a thought. Everything. Everything we do starts with a thought. We have to take hold of, weigh the consequences. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because if you don't take the thoughts captive, there is going to be a shift that's going to happen in your life. So if you don't take those thoughts captive, And weigh the consequences. The shift that's going to happen. Will determine. The the consequences. Whether they're good or bad consequences for your life. And we are faced with these things daily. Some are more impactful in our lives than others. Some are more impactful in our lives. And some of us today. We are still living from, through, from the consequences of choices we made years ago. We are still being stung by the choices we made years ago. But this is not a time for us to have regret. As you will see with this young man, how he reconciled with his father. There's no time for regret. And God, there's no time for regret. There's, there's a time for Repentance. And we, and we will talk about that next week. So as I said, the shift is in eternal dialogue. And how we choose, what we choose, how we choose to act matters. That's why it's so important that we take our thoughts captive. Because as we choose, God allows. God will, if he knows that we are going in the wrong way or what we are thinking about. Or what we are about to do. God will. You know, almost always, if we take the time to seek Him, show us what we need to do. Whether yes or no. But we always have to pause and reflect and think and ask Him and let Him show us. Never, the Bible says, be quick to think, slow to speak, slow to anger. Never be in a rush to do anything. Never be in a rush to open your mouth and say anything. Take, Thoughts captive, because when, when you open your mouth and when you or when you do stuff without thinking, there are consequences to it. There are consequences. We hurt people, we hurt ourselves. And, and, and listen, when, when words go and they sting people, you can't take it back. The damage is done. The damage is already done. Once words a release and that person hears and receives it the damage is done it's done you can't take it back the damage is done like that and it takes years to recover what the damage or for people to heal from what you have what somebody says in a few seconds that's why it's important that we take thoughts captive because Whatever we choose to do, God will allow it. You know, people say, oh, it just, came, it just came right out of my mouth. No, it didn't just come right out of your mouth. You're, you're undisciplined. You are undisciplined. You are naive in, in, in not knowing the consequences of your, what you say. I'm only human. As a child of God, that's not an excuse anymore. Because no, you ought to know better. So if anybody ever hear me say, well, you know, I'm only human and I say something off the cuff, you better put me in my place. Because that is not an acceptable excuse for a child of God. And if you say that, you're, you really don't know any better. But I won't hold it against anyone. I don't hold it against me. Because we are all learning. And we have to understand the consequences of sin. God will always try to help us. With our, with our thoughts and the things we, we, we are thinking or contemplating do, to, that we want to do. He will always help us. But we have to pause and let him help and let him guide and direct. Always think that whatever you're doing, it's not you can't just think of yourself. The Bible says, love one another. What does that mean? Put the needs of others before your own needs. Why do things happen because of people that are selfish, people are selfish. That's why they are, they are bad consequences. Think about things that are happening in your life now. Why, why did it happen? Why? Things that you're not happy about right now. Think about why it happened. And if you really honest with yourself, you would see. I, I, what I want, what I need, what's best for me, what's best for my family, without thinking of the consequences of how it might impact someone else. How it impacts your children, how it impacts your wife, your husband, your neighbor. Take every thought captive. Whatever we choose, God will allow it. Okay, so, the younger son made a choice. And the father allowed it. Why did the father do it? What did the father know? What did he want to teach his son? Because there's something the father knew about the son. Because if you you kept reading, the father saw when the son was returning because he was looking out for him. So there's something he knew about the son. About the son's character, so I'm not going to talk about that today. I'll talk about. I'll pick that up next week and try and answer some of those questions. Okay, so I'm going to stop there, and I really hope you receive something today. I really hope you take the time to reflect on these verses, read the whole account of it, and ask God to show you something about yourself. And and but. What I want us to see is the heart of the father. Even though the son make a wrong choice. You see the heart of God. His compassion. His compassion towards his children. The father's compassion towards his son. That's the way God sees us. And when we see and we understand the heart of the father and his son. We understand the heart of God towards us and how we ought to be with other people. But anyhow, as I said, I'm going to stop there and I'll pick this up next time.